So before I jump into this message, I just want to say this. Some of you guys may not know this, but last week, about 20 minutes before service started, our whole sound system went down. Can we give it up for our creative and production team? Because we didn't miss a beat. And even this week, they're having to reshuffle um, while we get things worked out. And they do such an awesome job. And you don't ever see them a lot of times. We don't ever think about everything that they do. But they are absolutely amazing. And I'm so thankful for you guys. So it's the holiday season. I don't know about you guys, but our family loves to watch like cooking and baking shows. Like we just love kind of those competition shows where they bring in a few competitors and they're trying to bake like holiday treats and different things. And what's amazing is these people, these bakers and um, like pastry chefs and all of these people, they're not just making delicious food, although watching those shows, like I always get really hungry and snacky, but they're not just making delicious food. It's like artwork. Like some of the stuff they make is so amazing when I'm looking at it, I can't believe it. And so I remember watching one of the shows and they had to create like a piece of art. And when I'm looking at it, I'm thinking that's not food. And so I got a a video of this of where people are making cakes, but it's not actually a cake, like a piece of wood and it doesn't look like it. But when he slices it open, it's cake like that's a Dorito bag. But it looks shiny, you know, it doesn't look like you can eat it. It's really amazing. It feels like you could actually open it. Once again, cake or for all of you coffee lovers there, okay? Um, Breaking into that, I'm guessing that's a vanilla coffee cake or something, okay? But it looks amazing. It looks like a piece of art, but that's not actually what it is. It's a piece of cake that you can eat. Recently, we watched a brand new show. I think it was on Netflix called School of Chocolate. And it's these, once again, these pastry individuals or chefs that come in and they're learning to be chocolatiers. They're learning how to work with chocolate. And the guy that teaches the class at the beginning of one of the episodes rolls out this sculpture that he makes. And this is it right here. I know it looks like Groot, but it's not, I promise you, okay? So this is a sculpture he made, and he starts to tell them about it. And I'm blown away because this is 100% chocolate, And like different kinds of chocolate, different forms of chocolate. But there is no metal framework underneath. There's no like Rice Krispie treats that you see them put underneath stuff. Like this is 100% chocolate. Every single bit of it is different kinds of chocolate. And I'm blown away to think I could actually eat that, right? I mean, I know I'm making some of you guys hungry, but it's crazy. Why am I showing you guys these videos and talking about this? Because we're starting a brand new series here at NCC called Christmas at NCC. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this idea right here. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. Just like each of those, when you first look at it, it looks like something different. Or even that sculpture there, when I first saw it, I thought, okay, this is made out of, you know, like plaster or clay. I mean, it looked like a beautiful sculpture. No, it's not what you think. And that's what I want us to look at as we approach the Christmas story. As we approach this holiday season, I know Almost 100% of us are familiar with the Christmas story. But I want us to look at it differently and to look at components of it that aren't what we think they are and how the people in the original story, they were seeing it for the first time. And in many ways, it was not what they expected. And it was not what that moment they thought it would be like or they had dreamed for it to be like or they expected it to be like. It was not what they thought it would be. And so as we approach this holiday season and we talk about this, I want us to think about that idea. It's not what you think. And today we're going to talk about Jesus coming not as a king, but as a baby. 
Um, I don't know if anyone saw it, but I just want to brag on him. When you walked in, Pastor Caleb did an art piece there that's really focused around the message today. And if you stand on one side, you see the king. And if you stand on the other side, you see um, a baby. Can we give it up? I don't know if anyone saw that, but I was blown away this week. Pastor Caleb took time to... He hand-painted every single line of that, did an amazing job. If you haven't seen it yet and you're here in person, don't rush off this morning. Take a moment, and you have to stand one, um, one place in the lobby. He's got it marked off in the other place in the cafe, and you can see that. But that's what I want us to look at. Jesus came not as a king or even as the king that we expected, but the king that we needed. And what that means for us and what that looks like. Now, to understand this message, we have to see what the people of God were thinking and expecting when Jesus first arrived on the scene. There was this idea. There were all of these stories, all of these conversations that were had when you grew up in the nation of Israel as an individual of Jewish descent about someone called the Messiah. Okay? You may have heard that term like Handel's Messiah. You may have heard it around like the nativity story. But this was deep into the culture of the people of God. And that was that God eventually would send one day someone to save them and to redeem his people. It's all throughout the Hebrew scripture. Like all the way back at the very beginning when Adam and Eve first ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to. The promise that God gives is Adam and Eve, you're going to have an offspring And that offspring will come and will crush the head of Satan. So at the very beginning, and then Moses, this great deliverer that brings the people of God out of slavery in Egypt. At the end of his life, he turns to the people of God and he says, Hey, I've been a great deliverer, but someone greater than me is coming. A better prophet, a better deliverer is coming. King David, one of the most well-known kings in the people and in the time of Israel and the nation of Israel and the people of God said, I've been a great king, but one better than me is coming. A greater king will come and rule over Israel. And so all of these conversations are happening about what will that person be like? And they use this term, Messiah, to talk about that individual. So all throughout the scriptures, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, there are all these passages that they believed were messianic passages. They were passages or they were quotes about the Messiah. Quotes like in Matthew chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. And it says this, I will send a prophet before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with destruction. And so they would read this passage and they would think this is talking about the Messiah. And so when the Messiah comes, when this Savior comes, when this person comes, he is going to be a mighty king. And he's going to destroy every wicked person. He's going to come and destroy anyone whose hearts are not turned towards God. They thought of verses like Psalms chapter 110. And any time they would read this, they would think about the Messiah was coming. Where David is writing this and he said, sit at my right hand. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. And the Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. There were all of these passages. And so their thought was, who is God going to send? He's going to send this warrior king, right? I mean, if you picture Thor, 
I know I'm not a good image of that, right? But if you could picture that in your mind, right? Like this guy that's all, you know, bulked up with muscles that has a sword in his hand that's going to crush anyone that gets in their way. And that's what they're dreaming of this entire time. Messiah is going to come. Maybe next year, maybe around this time next year, Messiah will come and he will deliver us. He will free us. He will be the king that we have been dreaming of. So year after year, they're waiting in expectation. Year after year, they get together at their holiday time. They're sitting down with family. They're eating turkey and ham and everything that we, you know, they're eating that and they're telling stories. Maybe next year, Messiah will come. This idea that this warrior king would come. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, he surprises everyone because that's not what God sends. That's not who God sends. And they had in their mind, because Rome was oppressing the people of God, like Rome was the governing power at that time. Even in the nation of Israel, you had a wicked king like Herod, who was destroying his own people and enslaving his own people. And so really, that's what they thought. God, what we need is a political answer. We need someone to come and sit on the throne and kick all of the armies of Rome out. We need someone to fight the Roman soldiers. We need someone to overthrow Herod. This is what we need, but that's not what God sent. So why does God end up sending a baby? Why doesn't he send a warrior king? Why doesn't he send this powerful political individual? And I think there's a few reasons as we look through the story and through the scriptures that do talk about the Messiah that we see. And it's first off this. God was focused on humility. This is a God who has a focus on humility. Have you ever just stopped and thought about the Christmas story? This idea that Yahweh, right, the creator God, would wrap himself up in flesh and be born as a baby. That is extremely humbling, you guys. This is the God who parted the Red Sea who spoke a word and the walls of Jericho fell down, who destroyed the enemies without Israel ever having to lift up a sword. And now all of a sudden, he is 100% totally dependent on his creation to change his diaper, to feed him right when he cries and he's hungry as a little baby, to take care of him, to put a bandage on his knee when he scrapes his knee as a little, like all of these things, Jesus is entrusting himself to his creation. This is a God who walks in humility. He's not looking for power. And he's not looking for position here on this earth. He comes in the most humble, the most simple way. And when you look at what else is taking place at this time, it just highlights the impact of a God who walks in humility. In this same moments that Jesus is being born, a few hundred miles north of the town of Bethlehem, there's a bigger city called Rome. In this city, there was this guy named Caesar, okay? Not the Caesar that you and I think a lot about, okay? Not Caesar salad dressing. Um, this is like the first, one of the first Roman emperors, Caesar, okay? So that's who this guy is. And one night, he's out on the patio, the balcony. He's somewhere, looks up in the night sky, and he sees this bright star, and all of a sudden, Caesar thinks this star is put there to announce my right to rule. This is telling everyone in the Roman Empire how powerful I am and the kind of ruler that I am, that the gods put a star in the sky just to announce how great I am. And so this is what Caesar did. True story. He had a coin minted. On one side of that coin was Caesar's face. 
On the other side was this star that he saw in the night sky. And over both sides, he had this inscription. It said, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. On every time that you would pay for something, you would exchange coin, you would trade something, you would buy something in the Roman Empire. It was supposed to be this reminder, you know who is in control? Caesar. You know who is the most powerful individual in the Roman Empire? Caesar. That's who it is. Caesar is the one that controls your destiny. And just a few hundred miles south, the real king was born. And he's not born into power. And he's not born into position. And he's not born in a throne room. He's born as a baby. He comes humbly into our world. Why? To show us the kind of God that he is. Luke chapter 2 verse 12 says this. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And just when you take a second and you realize what Jesus did, what God did in coming, the kind of God that he is, that he is willing to walk in humility, that he is willing to demonstrate the kind of God that he is, not being born in Rome, not in Greece where thought was, not even in Jerusalem, one of the biggest cities in Israel. No, he's born in this tiny, tiny village. Like if you ever see it in Bethlehem, it's just this small, remote place that wasn't really that important, that wasn't really on anyone's map because he's not trying to get some position. And he's not trying to walk in some title. That's not what he's doing. He comes as this king who's born as a baby because he walks in humility. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And I've heard this, like it's in a lot of Christmas songs, like this kind of phrase right here, this kind of thought. And as I was just reflecting on this and thinking about this, I'm like, that first part sounds Christmassy, right? Like a child is born, a son is given, and then there's this weird line, and the government will be on his shoulders. And so I just started to think about this as we're talking about humility and how Jesus came and I thought, man, it's so ironic what Isaiah is saying here that he had every right to lead every government. He was more powerful than Rome. He was more powerful than Israel. And yet he chooses to be born as a little baby, as an infant. And I think God comes and he reveals himself in that way. He's born in this way to show us a point that he is approachable. He doesn't come to reign by force. He wasn't coming to conquer some land. He's not coming to strike fear in the hearts of people. He came to demonstrate his love. And so he comes in humility. And he comes as a baby because when you think of a king, you think of honor and respect and all of those things. But when you think of a baby... You think of some individual that's approachable, right? They're not standoffish. I know it's winter and you, if you have little kids, you're trying to protect them, right? But as adults, we just go up to little babies because they're so cute, right? And they're so precious and we want to be close to them. And that's how Jesus comes. He came not only because he focused on humility, but this is a God who's focused on relationship. This is a God who wants to be in relationship with us. I was remembering back this week to whenever Sarah and I first, um, we got engaged. 
and we were getting married in July. It was like the spring of that. Our university that we were at did a trip to Israel, like to the place where Jesus walked and lived and was born and all of that. And so Sarah had a chance to go on that trip. I've mentioned it before in other messages. So she spent, I think it was like a week or 10 days over there, just getting to tour everything. And I remember this, it was just a couple of days before she was going to come back. I got a phone call, and it was Sarah. And she started talking to me, and she's like, Aaron, I've got to talk really quick because this is a super expensive phone call. She was calling from the hotel, and she's like, it's going to cost a lot of money. But as we started talking, all of a sudden, five minutes passed, and ten minutes passed, and then an hour passed. And we just keep talking, right? Like, because we, I hadn't heard her voice in a couple of days, and we were always used to being together, and, and all of that, however much it was going to cost, just escaped my mind at that moment until we got the phone bill. It was over $100 for a phone call. And I was going to get to see her in just a couple of days, but you know what? We were in a relationship together, and it was so important just to connect with her and hear what was going on. And that's the imagery, that's the kind of God that we serve who desperately desired to be close to his people. He just wanted to be near to us, you guys. That's why he comes as a baby and not as a king is because he wants to be close to us. And as I just mentioned, like with a king, you think of someone that you have to stand kind of at attention or stand at a distance that you honor, that you respect, that you look up to. But with the baby, you see a relationship. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself, Yahweh, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. That name right there with the Christmas song say, it simply means this, God is with us. That this is a God who's not off in the cosmos somewhere off in the distance. This is a God who desperately wants to get close to you, who wants to be near to you. And so he comes as a baby. He comes as this tiny infant so that we can see that he is approachable, that we can draw near to him. Some of you know the story of our family. I've talked about it before, but part of our family story, um, God added to our family through foster care and through adoption. And um, as you're going through that process, there are different classes you have to take. A matter of fact, we met Wayne and Nikki, some of our spiritual directors, you guys know them, and we met them in a foster care class. And I'll be honest, Wayne is a class clown, okay? So I don't remember a lot of stuff from that class, okay? He was making the class fun, cutting up, making jokes, um, but I loved it because it made the class more interesting. But one of the things that I do remember, um, it was probably a class he wasn't in, but I remember, um, I remember them talking about like kids and what they go through and that importance of development even as a little baby. And so I didn't really have this connection, although I had kids of my own, but I didn't really make this connection, but um, as you're working with kids that have been through foster care and sometimes in the adoption system that many times as infants, they're not held. But it's so vital that a baby is held. It's kind of natural usually for moms and dads to do that. And whenever you hold a baby, there's something about that baby, even at such a young age, of looking up at your face. And the facial expressions, right, the smiles, the laughs, all of those things create this sense of connection that cannot happen in any other way. 
And so you learn about that, like the importance. It's important that you hold a baby. If you're ever holding a baby, don't just hold them out here, okay? But hold them close to you because when they hear your heartbeat, there's like a safety and a security that's hardwired into who we are as little people that, that creates this bond and connection. And so just them hearing that soft heartbeat of an adult is so crucial. And so I'm sitting in that class learning this, and all of a sudden what I realize is, What's just as important as food, shelter, air, all of those things, it's relationship for babies. They have to have it. They need it to thrive. They need it to survive. Jesus comes as a baby because he wants to show us this is about relationship. What I'm desiring, my heart for my people, is not just to rule over you. It's not to be some judge. It's not to be some tyrant. I don't want to be a king. What I want to be is someone that lives in your heart. I want to be near to you. Relationship is so important to God. And so he comes as a baby because he wants to be close to us. He wants to be near to us. Just even reading the Christmas story again in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. Maybe you remember this part of the Christmas story. The angels come and sing, la, right? Out, um, that was probably really bad, you guys. But they're singing out in the field to these shepherds. And, and they're declaring that this baby has been born in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, the angels had left and gone into heaven. And the shepherds look at each other and they say to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. He's born as a baby because he wants to be in relationship. And I started to think about this. This is a God of relationship. If this is a king in a palace, a shepherd doesn't get in, right? Like shepherds knocking on the door of a palace, no one's going to let them in. Guards aren't allowing them in, but they can go into a barn, right? Like no one's checking IDs at a barn. You don't have to have credentials. You don't have to have some certain title. You don't have to have any religious education to get into a barn. And this is a God who says, I want anyone to be able to get close to me. I want anyone to be able to enter in. There will be no guard separating me from my creation, separating me from my people, because I want to be near to you. That's my desire. He's not born as a king because he's not trying to stand it as a distance. He's born as a baby because he wants to be close to us. That's God's desire. That's his heartbeat for us. That's what he's longing for. And so all through this Christmas story, we see this, this is a God who didn't want to come as a king. Not as the king that we thought, not as a warrior, but he decided to come as a baby because he was focused in on our salvation. He was focused on our salvation. The people during this time knew what a king was like. Herod, their king, literally enslaved the people of Israel. The people that he's supposed to be leading, his own people, he enslaved them to build bigger palaces, to build bigger cities, to build monuments to Caesar. He enslaved them and he taxed them heavily. You look at Caesar and the way that he ruled, they knew what a king was like. It was said that in the nation of Israel, around the time at Jesus' birth, that you could walk for miles and every few feet you'd see another cross. Another crucifixion. Because if you upset Caesar, if you frustrated Caesar, if you did anything that made Rome mad, their purpose, their plan, their answer for that was, we'll just kill you. 
And we won't just make it a quick death. We'll make it a slow, painful death where you suffocate and you bleed out. One of the most excruciating forms. They knew what a king was like. It was all around them. But you guys, Jesus didn't come to start a war. And we see this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, where this angel is talking to the earthly parents of Jesus. This is what it says. After he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus then if you have your Bibles, you can highlight this. Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. And I was just reflecting on this verse this week. He wasn't coming to start a war. He wasn't focused on conquering us. He wanted to save us. And Israel was locked into this mindset of, we know what Messiah will be like. He'll have a sword in his hand, right? He'll have a scepter. He'll have an army behind him. And he will crush Rome. He'll crush, he'll overthrow Herod, right? He'll turn everything around. But God was saying, the enemy isn't just out there. The enemy is in here, you guys. What Jesus needed to rescue us from was not some political power. It was our own rebellion. It was our own sin. And so God sent a baby for salvation. Not to set up a throne, not to set up a kingdom somewhere on this world, not to be some political influence. He sent a baby because we needed to be saved from our sins. We needed to be saved from our own rebellion. And that's what God showed as he came wrapped up in flesh Walking and living among us is, it's not about power or position. I'm willing to come humbly to you. It's not about some title. It's not about some throne. I want to be in a relationship with you. It's not about some war or setting up some kingdom, leading an army. It's about salvation. I want to live in the hearts and the lives of my people. That's my desire. And so that's why he came as a baby. You guys, it was not what anyone during that time thought it would be. It's really not what anyone was expecting or what anyone saw, but it's exactly what we needed. And I'm thinking thousands of years later, we're still like them a lot of times. We still have these mindsets that God, you're out there somewhere when he wants to be near to us. We have these thoughts in our lives that he's somehow frustrated or mad or that he wants to judge us when he's saying, I want a relationship. That's my desire for you is I want to be near to you and I want to be close to you. A lot of times still after this story has been told thousands and thousands and maybe even millions of times over these past 2000 years, a lot of times it's still not what we think. And Jesus is coming once again this holiday season to remind us he wants to be close to his creation. That's what this story is about. And so I want to take a moment and pray for us. If you would bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and that's how you feel is you feel disconnected from God. 
in this season that we're in, this holiday season, it's about that. It's about relationship and connection. It's about a God who wanted to be close to you, who desires to be near to you. And so he came to give his life for you. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I'm going to invite everyone to pray this, but this is what I want you to know, whether you're here in this room, whether you're worshiping online, maybe you're scrolling through these videos, but you've stopped here for a moment and God has your attention. I want you to know this. God deeply desires to be close to you. And you can't be good enough. I can't be good enough on my own. I can't try to fix my life and then come to God. We come in our brokenness. And this prayer that we're about to pray simply says this. It's saying, God, I can't do it on my own and I need you. I need you in my life. And so if that's you and you pray this and you say this with us, I believe this, that the God who wants a relationship will come into your life. And he'll lead you and he wants to guide you. And it's simply a prayer of surrender. I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own. So I'm going to invite all of us to pray this out loud. Even if you're by yourself at home, we want you to say this out loud because we don't want anyone praying alone. Jesus, I come to you. I know that I need you. I know that I've sinned. And so I come in my brokenness. I ask for your forgiveness. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want a relationship with you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate? The Bible says this, that if you pray that and you feel disconnected from God or you feel separated from God, that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is entering into your life to be that seal, to be that symbol of relationship. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing and we are rejoicing with you this morning because I believe that, that God wants to do something new in your life as you begin to walk with him. Now, we're gonna end these next few weeks the service kind of in the same way. I wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you. And this is what they would do a lot of times during the time of Jesus, that the leader, as they would gather together in the synagogue or the temple of the church, he would speak a blessing over the people of God. And so that's what I want to do. And so just kind of symbolically, if you would just hold out your hands to receive that, this is my prayer of blessing for you. My prayer of blessing is that this holiday season, that you would see Jesus in a new way that you would see him as a God who walks humbly with us. My prayer is that your eyes would be open and that you would see your Savior as a Savior who desperately desires a relationship with you. That in the midst of busyness, in the midst of our hurried lifestyle, in the midst of every other distraction, that our minds would come back to this simple truth. He came to save his people from their sins. My prayer of blessing is that you would receive that and that this holiday season for the next few days and the next few weeks until December 25th, that you would get to know the king. Not the king that we wanted, but the king that we desperately needed. May God bless you.